2: Hello, everybody. Uh, unpack your knives and stay. Yes, stay. Welcome to the Top Chef Judges Roundtable podcast here on Reality TV Wrap-Ups. I am one of your two hosts tonight. If you're not used to a uh, male voice kicking this off that is lacking a Canadian accent, Accent that is because uh, our good friend Haley is taking the week off this week. But... We have two of our three OGs here, myself and my good friend, LaTanya. LaTanya Starks, how are you doing?
3: Hi, I'm so happy to be back. Hey, everybody. I missed you. Did you miss me?
2: Do you have your aluminum hat on like Buddha to protect against? um, I don't know what we need protection against. uh, Aliens. Internet trolls, aliens. Yeah, uh,
3: Also, uh, both. Both internet trolls and aliens. Um, I always have my aluminum hat. Yes. I don't know if that's just a, a me thing, but yeah, I always have one of those uh just to be sure. Just and to I and it. I just also
2: just love the uh pronunciation of it's aluminum. It's so much better aluminum. than
3: aluminum.
2: Yeah.
3: You know, every time um every time I realize that the Brits say aluminum or I guess in this case Australians too, I'm just bowled over.
2: Aluminum, laboratory. Yes. Um, it's like putting the accent on a different syllable mm-hmm. is always fun.
3: Yep. Put the emphasis on a different syllable.
2: So we are down to our top six this week. And it just struck me as we kicked off the show that uh, we've got a top six BIPOC crew rocking here.
3: I was going to say, everybody in the top six is a person of color. And I, I, I wrote this down. So I just want us to kind of think about that for a moment and then think back to season one. And then (laughs) (laughs) to think if at that time you ever for a second thought that it was possible for this show to have a final six that was all people of color. Um, And this is why I call BS on any show that doesn't embrace diversity and inclusion in casting, because honestly, there's no excuse in any industry. There's just no excuse. Like it's, it's just, it's a simple fix.
2: And, and I think even looking at the top six, you know, there's tremendous diversity within the top six. And I'm not even just talking from a a culture perspective, but from like a cooking styles, from what they bring literally to the table. It's just, it's, there is, if there was a fear of sameness by Mm -hmm. embracing diversity, I think like Top Chef has, you know, shattered any notions on that.
3: Yeah, Top Chef is definitely, in my my mind, the number one show for having been able to, the number one reality show in terms of having been able to overcome an initial, well, this is an industry that is full of just like white males. It's like an industry that rewards privilege in a lot of ways. But, you know, we can make a change just by merely saying that we're going to and like committing to casting efforts. It's just, I I think that any show who is still having that problem should look to top chef for how to solve it.
2: Right. And it's not something, it's something they kind of quietly did. They just Mm -hmm. did it. They didn't profit it it or like, maybe it's like, maybe they, you know, we look at survivor and big brother as, you know, specifically calling it out as an initiative, as initiatives that have, you know, been, you know, Launched to quote-unquote help those shows mm-hmm. uh, I, I've not heard I'm, sh- I'm sure there have been rumblings over the years in terms of uh, like it recently in terms of like you know Top Chef's diversity casting but it doesn't seem like it's been the same quote-unquote problem that it has on more than mainstream network TV I don't know if you like I don't, I don't believe Top Chef has come under fire recently maybe that's why they've not had to like quote like make a big deal about it but it's right it's a big deal <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, it's a really big deal. Yeah. And it and it it lends something to the the meals that we're able to see these judges have because these chefs are just innately bringing in a sense of their home and their themselves mm-hmm. to all the dishes that they're making now. And I think that that has to elevate like just automatically elevate the food that we're having and I have some specific um things to say about how uh, diversity is uh, um a uh, cuisine elevation but yeah it, it's just exciting to see this on a show that's that mainstream and to know that it's something that can be done
2: and and even though we lost jay this week and uh you know we'll we'll get to last chance kitchen and you know the return of the the, the winner from there mm-hmm. um but like even looking at at Jay, you can't look at any of these six chefs and then just be also assumptive about what kind of food they're bringing to the table. Like exactly. Jay's like, even though she has recently brought a lot of Korean influence to the table, like she said, so, you know, I'm all about seafood. I'm all about new Orleans. Like that's where right. her heart is from a, a cooking perspective. And how do you bun those together? So it's it's like, I don't know. It's just there. If there was any fear of there being a sameness out of a, mm-hmm. Bipoc top top six is not something you can (laughs) say easily quickly, but there's there's there's, just the food we saw today and even in previous weeks is just like run the range, so that's really exciting.
3: There's no easy way to say that. Almost like we should have a different acronym, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but you know we'll we'll take it for now because it's all we got. (laughs) Um, Do you want to talk about the quick fire? Of course, the quick fire was so cute. <laughs> I thought it was. It was although I had
2: to look up, um, like what technically makes a fajita. Uh-huh. Like, like was there like a lot? Uh, I was wondering what were the technical parameters of the food yeah Um, and all and all i found online was that is typically strips of a protein obviously it was originally a skirt steak Mm -hmm. usually strips of protein often with green peppers and onions all grilled and then you throw toppings on it it was it was really kind of uh broad in its potential interpretation yeah i think this was more about showcasing the farmer's market potentially
3: yeah that that farmer's market is you know chicago has some things like that but they're not Usually open air until the, you know, it's the weather's turn to like us,
2: <laughs> um, which we never know when that's going to actually exactly. happen. Exactly. We can of the farmers markets in Chicago.
3: Um, there was one in Evanston that I went to, which doesn't technically count. Evanston is not a part of Chicago, but um, Chicago
0: lands.
3: Yeah. I, like when I was growing up, we would always go like, you know, this is one of the reasons I love Nick so much. Because it really is like getting to relive a lot of my childhood through Nick and Damar's dishes. Um, Nick being from Mississippi, my grandmother being from Mississippi, and having very similar cooking styles. Um, So, you know, we would always do things because my grandmother grew up on a farm. So we would go to the farm and like pick our own produce every year. and it was awesome. It was just like a lot of fun to do when you're young. We would go to farmer's markets because my grandmother knew that's where all of the produce with taste was. Um, so I grew up doing all that stuff and then kind of fell off as I got older, unfortunately. Um, but it's definitely something that gives me warm memories of my grandmother's cooking, which, in my opinion, is the best cooking I've ever tasted.
2: Yeah, I think the my only experience in Chicago for the farmers markets is um and it's killing me that I can't remember the street. I most recently <laughs> lived on in Chicago, but it was in uh East Lakeview at the Nettlehorse Horse School uh, during the summer months. So, so mm. Broadway like one block north of Belmont. Um and so like in the in a parking area slash playground of the school every Saturday, once you know again the once the weather gets nice, right? Uh, they would have it wasn't huge by any means. There was like this this cheese company that was always regularly there, and you'd have like you know four or five places that had different fruits and vegetables, and then occasionally you'd have some sort of you know jam. <laughs> um, yes,
3: it, it, was it was always exciting small. when there was jam. <laughs>
2: yeah, but when I lived in when I lived uh, just outside of LA, there was like a huge farmer's market in Calabasas and another one in Mm. Thousand Oaks that were like all both within like 15 to 30 minutes of me uh it's where I discovered the persimmon I got my first persimmon from uh from a farmer's market so um I don't know if there's many in Grand Rapids I mean there's a downtown market but it's really more of an indoor Mm -hmm. like food hall uh it's not something like, like people bring in their wares and it's it's just like open and you can get food. Um, but yeah, it's not like stalls and uh, like a bunch of local, uh, you know, farmers or produce providers gathering on weekends, more permanent installation. So, um, but also not looks too hard. So I think maybe now that the weather's starting to get nicer here, I'll have yeah. to. Yeah. It
3: yeah. It's not, I, I need to be on the lookout too, because I can only imagine that, the farmers markets in this general area would be great because everyone is so bougie here um, (laughs) that they would require it. Um, But yeah, I I definitely need to figure out uh, where my local farmers markets are because I just, I love fruits and vegetables probably more than I love meat at this point. Um, Probably. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Probably because I'm looking forward to when I can eat fruits and vegetables again. Um, but that, you know, that longing is still there. And this place looked like an amazing place to go and just kind of get lost. I mean, we saw a couple of the chefs get lost, unfortunately, and uh, how yeah. much there was to offer.
2: Yeah, the thing that was an interesting thing about this challenge is it was equal parts. They had 45 minutes, but they had to also figure out how do you balance that between the shopping and the cooking, and yeah. it seemed like Ashley was like one of those folks who, like, fifteen minutes in, she still is like looking around, figuring out what she wants, wondering if everybody has finished the yeah, uh, finished started their cooking already. Um, and then we had Claudette Zapeda. I know. I was I was like, that. wait a minute, is that Claudette? And she gets introduced because like, like before the words Claudette, you know. Emerged from Padma's mouth. She's like she said, just you know, she was a top chef US, she was in top chef Mexico. And oh, that's definitely Claudette. It's like I almost didn't recognize her, but for somebody who has goldfish brain like I do and can't remember yeah. half the contestants from the last couple seasons, yeah, I was just very impressed with myself that I recognized Claudette.
3: I did not recognize Claudette. <laughs> <laughs> um, my goldfish brain continued. That's hard to say too. Um, but yeah, I was excited when I found out that she was there. But I didn't recognize her.
2: I remember she. I believe she was Haley's draft pick the the year that we had it. I believe that Haley was all about in Love and loving Claudette. So we'll have to uh, once we get Haley back, get her, get her, pick her brain on what she thinks about the return of Claudette in this episode. And also, we'll we'll fast forward a little bit to the return of Shota in uh, in Last Chance Kitchen. But, yes, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get back to that. But the, Definitely yes, talk so, about that. The, they had to create their own version of fajitas using ingredients from the Houston farmer's market. Um, it seemed to be, at least from the way that Evelyn had described it, it's, it seemed to lean a little bit more into ingredients. you she typically use in, you know, Mexican or Tex-Mex cuisine. Mm-hmm. Um, I was proud of myself. She asked, the family asked, you know, like what food, what Tex-Mex, Tex-Mex yeah. food was created. And all the chefs were stumped. I was they like, I had no idea. Is-? I was like, is it fajitas? And boom. You
3: know, congratulations uh, on getting some trivia right yeah
2: you, hey, you know what I was quiz bowl kid back in my high school <laughs> days so I was nice wasn't? To, uh, to pull that up <laughs> I can't, cook, that, I can't hook, cook even a quarter as well as these people but throw some food trivia at me and I do okay um, so we had uh, Jay she mm-hmm. made gochujang and tamio crepes with stir fried tofu peppers onions and pineapple salsa so this had the uh, Peppers, the onions, if those things I knew were kind of young and crucial. Not necessarily right. necessary, but key parts of a traditional fajita. Um, but she also she did not end up getting the uh, crepe to Claudette. No. Um, she didn't she get it on the time. plate. She was poor in time management.
3: Yeah. So uh, Jay and Ashley were the two who were kind of lost in it. Uh, just like exploring their feelings while in a market, <laughs> you know. Uh, which you know who hasn't done that i will say that this this quick fire for me would probably be the one where i would most have to run and um and like <laughs> and hide for a while after eating the food cuz like all of the all of the peppers and the onions and everything and now there's pineapple salsa happening my stomach would just explode it would it wouldn't just not be very happy. This sounds great, though. It just sounds like um, a GI appointment waiting to happen <laughs> for me.
2: Yeah, like you know, fast forward to the. Uh, I mean, thinking back to when when Haley and I podcasted about the Great British Bake Off, and even looking at the Elimination Challenge, there's definitely an art to being a judge or guest judge or guest diner mm-hmm. on one of these cooking or baking shows and knowing how to strategically approach eating the food. Right. Um, yeah. like we saw uh, uh, one of the, 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 the hosts of Bake Off of uh, Matt in his first year, he was like eating everything and just, it did not sit well. And then, it just didn't go. Um, well. I was afraid for some of these astronauts at the elimination challenge, just like licking the bowl clean. I'm like you've got five more plates to like, clean. yourself, buddy.
3: The, I can't wait to talk about that. The guy astronaut. We get um, to that to that challenge. That guy is hilarious.
2: Yeah, Jay ended up being on the bottom. Uh, yeah, yeah, it it was. I think I think both fueled by the um the fact that she was missing a crepe but it also seemed like it was just not a great dish even you know it wasn't like we got a if only that crepe had been there this would have been in the top um
3: yeah and it's kind of hard to say that you have the best tofu (laughs) full stop you know <clears throat> tofu fajita. You know, I I've been eating a lot of tofu recently, so it's something that I'm getting to like more and more, but it is only versatile in that it takes the flavor of what you're cooking it with. So it's just going to taste like the most overwhelming thing in your dish. Uh mm. which I can imagine for a fajita challenge would not be what you want. You want something to you know, change up the flavors or to complement flavors. So
2: and for those of you who are new to watching Top Chef, maybe we recommend Top Chef Portland, where they had a dedicated tofu challenge. Yeah, want to they did. More about the different kinds of tofu. Uh, next up, we had Evelyn. Uh, beef fajitas marinated in papalo, lime, and fish sauce with poblano, salsa verde, and rambutan pico. She was in the top half. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had three in the top, three in the bottom. Um, interestingly, we had the same top three in top and bottom three, uh, both in the quick fire and the illumination challenge. Oh, that's um, true the um but i i i had no fear for evelyn at
3: this no i really don't have a lot of fear for evelyn she's just she's just joyous and just cooking her heart out and and enjoying it like she's the she's one of the people in the competition who always genuinely has a smile on her face because she's actually enjoying what's happening yeah uh, and the process
2: and I'm wondering if there was any sort of advantage to her potentially being a little bit more familiar, maybe more familiar it's with the farmer's market, mm-hmm. um, just like knowing the layout. Yeah, I mean,
3: knowing, yeah, having been there before. I'm sure there was. And also, I've never had Papalo before, so I'm I'm not sure how it tastes, but... Um, they were really kind of surprised that she was able to make it taste good to them. Yeah, not be um, overwhelming
2: or like, yeah. she like balanced it out nicely. Dumar, first time like in the bottom for Dumar. Honestly, wasn't
3: just the beginning of me dreading the whole episode. Like oh. this quick fire was just the beginning of me being like, oh no, <laughs> what's happening? The whole episode.
2: Yeah, he had the seared steak with mango relish, purslane salad, and grated chicharrón. Um, the idea of grated chicharrón on top of it, like seared steak sounds like gastrointestinal heaven. <laughs> <Followed> <laughs> probably not too shortly by gastrointestinal hell. Yeah, but he, it seemed like that maybe like the, the the steak was just a bit too thick here. Like he did not necessarily he could have cut it up smaller. I think that seemed to be like a main issue.
3: Yeah, it, it looked like he had some big beefy pieces of steak. Um And it seemed like that they were also concerned about the mango relish kind mm-hmm. of taken away from, and he, cho- you know, that made the dish too sweet. He chose them because of their sweetness. So this for me was just kind of the beginning of a a bad episode for Damar. Um, yep. You know, just like he's hopefully just having a little bit of a stutter step he, he spoke about having writer's block, basically, just like kind of chef's block. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe this is a part of a part of it, you know. Um, so hopefully that's something that he's able to conquer in the next episode. We'll see.
2: And given that the other two people who were in the bottom with him just had incomplete dishes, like if this had been an elimination challenge, I think uh-huh. he would have come out of it okay. Yeah. But it, w- it was like directionally, like, what does this mean? In terms of the next episode, like was this being in the bottom twice in one episode? Is, is that enough to shake him out of his, you know, uh, chef's block? Or, right. Um, would that be the knife block? But that's what I don't know if that's uh, something. Something. <laughs> but, um, uh, but yeah. So yeah, he was he was on the bottom along with Jay and Ashley. To Ashley shortly, uh, but at the top and the winner of this, uh, we had Nick the. Bread man, the baker. The baker. The baker. The I, I was confused baker. at first when they called him the baker. I didn't get the reference immediately. And
3: I didn't either because, you know, Lord knows I shouldn't be expected to remember what happened last week on the show. <laughs> so I can't remember all the money that he's won, but he has so much money.
2: And he's like, yeah, at this point he's good.
3: <laughs> like, yeah, he's just um, like, I don't even need to win the, the competition. Yeah. I've won all the money that the competition has to offer. I like how
2: he he's like yeah you know there's always more room for more dough in the oven and you know, <laughs> Evelyn and Buddha are like I just need a slice or two Nick just let yeah, me yeah just just
3: let me have a little bit of bread.
2: The uh, he made the tri tip cabbage and black bean braised jicama slaw and lime cilantro cream with corn tortillas that I believe he made. He correct? made
3: his own tortillas. Yeah, compared to Buddha we'll talk about next, but mm-hmm. I think that's what put him over the top.
2: Yeah, and um,
3: all this. Although like these are classic. Well, you know the cabbage. I'm not sure mm. if that's a like a classic ingredient, but the rest of these are kind of classic ingredients of Tex-Mex. Um, it, the, I think him making his tortillas really showcased. You, he's always surprising us. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know why, other than just our own um, li- limitations that we would put on people. We would think that uh, he wouldn't be able to do these things, but like whenever he busts out his own corn tortillas, for example, I'm like, oh, yeah. huh, that's amazing.
2: And underreported, I'd love me some jicama. Get, some jicama is great. Jicama sticks from the local, yeah, you know, you know, have you know, to go to a little bit more of a specialty store to find them, but uh, smudging on some jicama sticks is really refreshing. So I love jicama, too.
3: And the lime cilantro cream, that sounds really good and yeah. kind of like refreshing little taste of acid, hit of acid there. Oh, that sounds wonderful.
2: Next, uh, also in the top with Evelyn and Nick, we had Buddha, who made a pretty straightforward beef fajita with corn and avocado crema. They looked like there are a lot of components to this. They raved mm-hmm. about the flavorfulness of the corn. Um, yeah. It seemed like this had a lot of components, but like, they, I think they even Claudette was asking him, did you have more time
3: than everything?" Yeah. <laughs> he, he didn't make his tortillas. He did buy them. He did. He did buy them. Um, yeah, I, I, again, like very classic Tex-Mex ingredients, but, you know, he had to have just cooked them very, very well. Yeah. Um, and then if, you know, when you have a beef fajita, if you can make the corn the star, then that's probably some pretty good technique that you have there, too. So, um I'd be interested. I would love this dish because I love corn, and so anything that's going to showcase fresh corn, I'm all there for.
2: What's your take on street corn, some elote?
3: I love elote. Yes. It's so good.
2: <laughs> I prefer it in the, where they strip it off the cob and put it in a cup for you so you don't have to yeah. like, do the work. It's like they, they put it in a cup, they put in the chili powder, the cojita cheese, the- yeah everything, and then you just eat it with a spoon. Like, you know, don't make me have to work around the cob.
3: Oh, no, I shouldn't have to. If I have to do any work, I'm not purchasing your elote. Um, there's also this elote-covered guacamole that I buy. Mm. Um, that is very, very good. You
2: should check out, I don't know if you've ever been to Demos Pizza. Uh, there's one up on so. on Clark, kind of in Wrigleyville. There's a second location somewhere, but they have an elote pizza.
0: Um, oh wow!
2: Where it, it's basically elote on a pizza. <laughs> yeah, it's it's and it's, it's got the lime crema. Um, it's got the roasted street corn. It's, it's got the chili powder. Um, so yeah, if you I'm not sure if they still I even check to see if Demos is still open. I assume they are. But it uh, is.
3: Yeah, I've heard of it before. I've just never been there.
2: Yeah. So uh, all you Chicagoans, if you love you some yourself some street corn, check out the elote pizza at uh, Demos. Uh, lastly, we had another incomplete dish. The uh, salsa did not make it to Coladette's plate when Ashley served up her chicken fajitas with cheese crust, Nepal, and pickled onions. Uh, I believe this uh, the cheese crust treatment of the tortillas was something that yeah her partner created and that she absolutely loved. But it seemed like it was almost like you had like scraped the cheese off of the yeah plate or the platter or the skillet or whatever it was.
3: Um wasn't a great outing for Ashley in in this uh, episode or this challenge. Um, I just you know, I I just like continue to look forward to having her around, Um, but it's so hard to watch her be on the bottom. Uh, She said that she missed her partner and had just kind of been looking around for things that Her partner would like, and then she ended up shop, like being, I think the last one who was still shopping and just did not leave herself enough time. Um, Mm -hmm. and it it is, I think, rather easy in a challenge like this to get distracted, um, Mm -hmm. or to let your mind wander. And this is around the time of the competition when things are really starting to get tough that you would really, really start to miss significant others and people in your family so that all makes sense to me yeah
2: I mean at least she did not like she boomeranged her way back from Last Chance Kitchen she left the main Mm -hmm. competition came back the very next episode um and she managed to not then boomerang back in again she has stuck her like you know Jackson went out before her Jay's gone out before her um there may have been another person um but uh yeah she's managed to stick stick around so um the I'm also just this got me wondering just as we were talking it's like the ability to lose track of time when you don't have a timer in your face yes. on the wall it's uh-huh. like my guess is they don't walk around with their cell phones um, No
3: they're probably not allowed to have cell phones that's why yeah. they gave them maps
2: Yeah that well that was that was the weird thing is like this is like how It feels like 99% of the time, they're like, and the location is already programmed into your sponsored vehicle. uh, brand thing. Mm -hmm. And so I thought they were going to get into their cars and be like, yeah, you know, the location, the
3: farmer's market's already programmed into our Lexus or whatever vehicle. It probably was. I think that was a map of the farmer's market so that people could like go to whatever, like see a section they wanted to Ah. go to. And then because otherwise you would just look at that on a phone. You yeah. would just figure that
2: out on top. the. But it seems like they missed out a prime sponsorship opportunities. like you're going to the farmers yes. market. Let's jump into our program <laughs> vehicles.
3: Um, they didn't have time for another yeah. sponsorship. They maybe already had
2: <laughs> Maybe they're encouraged to wear watches and yeah. to to go analog. Um, yeah, sponsored by Chipotle. Chipotle providing the the fine proteins mm-hmm. for this uh, for this episode. Um, so I guess even though there were vegetables. Uh, strewn throughout that Chipotle display, they had to, they probably could not use any of those because they had to use their $50 to purchase those on the market. Yeah,
3: exactly. They were only allowed to get the meat from there. Um, that was a nice display though. Yeah. I always, I always think about the people who are in charge of putting together things like displays for Top Chef.
2: I was, I was thinking days like, did Padma actually write that note or was that like (laughs) like an intern? And I want to go back. (laughs) Would be funny if it was the same handwriting as the welcome judges sign on the restaurant <laughs> wars, um, just because that would create all sorts of conspiracy theories. But I kind of want to go back to like all the times that Padma has left notes and see does the handwriting change? Is this actually yeah. somebody at production uh, writing these notes from Padma?
3: Yeah, um, it, it's expecting... definitely somebody at production writing yeah. these notes from Padma.
2: At the very least, Padma's like not sneaking into their living room in the middle of the night and leaving this like Santa you know like somebody. I know. So oh, well, that, that would be kind just, of fun.
3: Yeah. That seems like something they would have done in season two, <laughs> but not necessarily now.
2: So we've got Evelyn, Nick, and Buddha in the top three, Jay, Damar, and Ashley in the bottom three. Although, you know, so as we said, Jay and Ashley, you know, part of the reason they landed there was the fact that they had, they did have incomplete dishes. But uh, yeah, Nick ends up coming out on top here. Um, very yeah. impressed. And he, he, he adds more money to his baker's bank yeah the That's baker's got more bread, yeah Baker's got more bread. um I was hoping because Nick I was glad to see this because Nick is my only draft pick still left in the game.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I was hoping he would win immunity, but we know that went away a couple weeks ago. Um, so yeah, now he gets money, and he ends up doing fine in the elimination. so
3: another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear, check, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, check planning for what's next and how to save for it.
0: actually a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BDW. Void allowed. Prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. plus.
2: Yeah, the uh text mess cha- text, text Mex challenge <laughs> in the books. Um and that's where we we they bring in at this point they bring in Marcus Samuelson, uh Ethiopian-born Swedish-American chef, which I think is my favorite pedigree. Of no, any chef ever. Any
3: person I, ever. I love Marcus Samuelson so much. Just his big smile, and he's just so charismatic. his and, wardrobe. Yeah, his wardrobe. <laughs> and this this challenge, we got the new hotness of both Marcus and Melissa. So yes. it's almost just too much to take. Yes. If I'm, if I'm being honest. Like. Um, I knew that the next challenge was coming because I'm a nerd and I almost went to space camp.
2: I was going to ask you if you were like a, it's, I was going to ask you if you were a space
3: camp person. Yeah. I, I didn't go, but I very seriously considered it. It was like on the, it was on the, you're going to camp this summer. Which one do you choose? And the one that I ultimately chose was this leadership conference thing that I now know is run by conservative Republicans, but I did not know that when I was signing up for it as a kid. Um, But yeah, there were like, there was this like a uh, princess from Jordan there. <laughs> it was so weird. It was just like how to be a diplomat. Tucker Carlson was there. Um, It was <laughs> like looking back on it. I'm just like, oh no, like what? Uh, they gave us free scholarships, and so I should have gone to space camp, is my point.
2: <laughs> my, um, my only summer camps were largely band camps, and uh, drum major camp, which was Banff the precursor. Camp. Was that?
3: <laughs> it sounded like you said Banff camp. Banff camp, no.
2: <laughs> no. Banff uh,
3: camp. <laughs> uh, band
2: camp. Brought to you by Mercury. <laughs> drum major camp. And then I think there was some time in junior high where I went to with people who know me will laugh at this, but I went to survival camp, um, which was interesting. But anyway, yeah, I I did not get the chance to go to space camp. Uh, It always had intrigued me. I remember seeing Mm -hmm. the movie Space Camp. Yes. um, And I was like, oh, maybe that's why I didn't want. Maybe that's why I wasn't interested in going is like I probably as a young child had a fear that oh, something could go wrong and you could accidentally get launched into space. Um, <laughs> um, that's and, not how that works. I'd say like the movie Space Camp like must have just scarred me because that was like yeah. the main point: is oh, this is a you know AI rogue AI launches uh, Simulation uh, in real rockets to space and kids have to deal. Um, yeah, that that's an eighties classic.
3: That makes sense. Um, I yeah, I definitely was excited about Space Camp. I was not excited about this challenge that I knew it was coming, um but I wasn't excited about it because there's just something so limiting about making space food. <laughs> you know like well, how many things can they actually replicate?
2: Well, it sounded like their current menu has like two hundred food and drink items.
3: Yes, so, that's true, but it I don't know but the idea the
2: idea of eating in space. Yeah, does not seem exciting. Like you can't suddenly decide. You know what? Let's go to a different restaurant.
3: Like I know that sounds
2: terrible. What you leave with, like you've 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 got your what's available is the same for every day for that six month period.
3: Mm -hmm. You have to
2: get probably progressively smaller in terms of what's available.
3: Yeah, that's true. And there's only so many favorites you can have. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Yeah, You can't just if you love the the, you know, the the crumble or whatever that dessert was, there's a limited supply of that. So, you know, exactly. Figure it out.
3: Yeah. yeah. You got to divide it equally amongst yourselves.
2: At least we didn't get like six versions of freeze dried ice cream.
3: You know, that's true. It, that's true. It could have been that um, people were really creative about what they did and really paying attention to the uh, presentations that they got. Uh, taking notes and things like Mm -hmm. that, which is great to see the chefs take it seriously and, you know, like respect it uh, to that point. You know, they were to the point where they were citing, you know, things that they were told earlier in the episode as they presented their dishes. So that was really, that part was cool, I thought. It was just the idea of the space challenge for me, I wasn't excited about.
2: Yeah, they had to take into account the limitations of of eating in space. And I think the big two right. seemed to be no crumbs, no free flowing liquid. Yeah. And then they were also just as equally interested in well, what were the kind of palate needs of the astronauts. Like, you know, Buddha asked the question to the, the two that were on the space station, you know, does food taste differently? And I was like, well, that's a strange question. But no, they said oftentimes, like the first several days you're up there, you feel like you have a head cold and you, it's hard to actually taste anything. And so they're looking for a variety in spice and flavorfulness. They need, they need, they need that. Evelyn picked up on like looking through the menu that there was very little uh, Mexican food. There was very little pork. So she was looking at it almost like a gap analysis of the current Mm -hmm. menu in terms of like, where are the opportunities? And she even was like, you know, there's a texture element that's missing. Yes.
3: Yeah. So. A lot, yeah, the pointing out the textural element. That's, that's what I mean kind of by, uh, you know, hopefully they won't be limited by the whole, the the fact that they're creating food for NASA is that, you know, they obviously that's something they have to take out of these dishes at some point when they're adapting them. If there's just no texture to any of the food.
2: I, I wonder to what extent they like, was it, to what extent was this an inspirational challenge? Because it's not like the food that they were making was going to be just like picked up, like a lift and shift into the NASA menu. It was like, your the winning dish is going to inspire a NASA uh, food scientist created dish. And so it's, I can see what you're saying about, it feels like your cooking, cooking can be a little bit limited, but I also it's not like they also had to, Serve everything in a plastic pack, or like Ashley chose to kind of recreate the experience as much as possible using the tin and the plastic bag. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like like some of them were um, freed themselves up somewhat from I think the the restriction that you saw. I was like they they didn't necessarily have to fit it into a foil pack, so they they could be a little bit more free than I think you or I had anticipated. That's
3: true. That's very true.
2: But I thought I was. I was wondering if we were going to get one of the chefs to be like, "Oh, that free flowing liquid thing isn't that huge, that huge of a deal." I'm just going to ignore that. But no, it seemed like everybody at least tried to play by the the suggestions, which was which was nice.
3: Yeah, it was really good to see. So
2: ultimately, the elimination challenge was they had to create a dish for astronauts following NASA guidelines of limiting freestanding liquids and crumbs. Uh, they served. They made and served the dishes in the Top Chef kitchen, which was turned into like there was a land rover there and some astronaut suits. Um, I for, for some reason I would have assumed that it would have been served at NASA, but maybe maybe the the, the commissary was closed for the day.
3: Yeah, I, it was it was cute that there was a rover there, though. You know, um, I I've become increasingly excited about those meals that are actually served in the top chef kitchen because they look really, it just seems like a really cool place to be able to eat. You know what I mean? Just being able to see the the chefs as they're preparing food, um, having enough of a distance though, where they feel like they can be honest about their opinions on the food Um <laughs> You know, I'm interested in spatially how that works and how big this space has to be if that's the case. But um, I, I think that it, I like the cute little cozy meals that they have in the mm-hmm. Top Chef kitchen.
2: I, th- I think back to Restaurant Wars where there were definitely a couple instances having the judges seated right there, like right up against the kitchen,
3: mm-hmm. where
2: they, uh, I think the the chefs could hear some of the commentary. So. Yeah, We see or it seemed like there was that enough of that distance. And also, I think when they came back from shopping at Whole Foods and they see the entire layout, and you've already got the menus laid down on the table, unless that was like a trick of the editing. Right. So they, so they kind of had to, it sounds like they had to commit to what their dish was, or at least how they were going to describe it. Right. Um, upon leaving Whole Foods or maybe upon entering Whole Foods, probably upon leaving Whole Foods, because we've seen, seen a few times where people go into Whole Foods, there's not an element there that they need. Mm-hmm. And they have to pivot a little bit, but yeah, um, a little bit more into the production and operational side of of, uh, of our Top Chef kitchen here. Um, so looking at our dishes, as I mentioned earlier, we had the same top three and same bottom three as the quick fire. Evelyn was once more in the top. Uh, she made a uh, guiso rojo with pork, pumpkin seed rice, and escabeche. Um, upon a second viewing for me, just the mixing of the, the pumpkin into the rice,
0: uh, mm-hmm.
2: seemed really interesting and again as we said earlier she saw pork and pork dishes and mexican dishes as kind of yeah blind spots right. in the menu so um this seemed well received
3: yeah i i don't know why it wouldn't be uh <laughs> it, it sounds delicious it looked beautiful and uh it it was very well thought out i think it's you know, again, one of the things in having, you know, the last uh six people on your cast be people of color is that you get to see where there are blind spots in places like this. It it probably hasn't been thought about a ton in NASA at NASA <laughs> if we're thinking about, you know, what are blind spots of the menu. I what, I will say one of my favorite things when they were doing the little tour. <laughs> was how everyone was like, there's no salt in space. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> yeah, so, it was. It, it, it
2: affects bone density, I think. Yeah, that, uh, that's, like, what,
3: oh. that's what she said. So. so, of
2: course, this is after Luke has left. We no longer, you know, <laughs> Luke could be like, yes! I can underseason.
3: <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't believe I had to miss the episode where Luke went out.
2: Ugh. <laughs> uh. We had our winner of the round, uh Buddha, only person to do kind of a desserty sort of dish. Uh the he play on Apollo fourteen, he did Pavlova fourteen, mm-hmm. uh the Australian dessert, a coconut mousse with berry compote and tropical salsa. See the pavlova is like very kind of meringue heavy, which is dehydrated mm-hmm. egg whites. Um I and he look it looked like he took inspiration from uh I believe it was was it Alan Shepard who hit the golf ball
3: on the moon? I believe one of the, that's who it was, yeah.
2: And um <laughs> so he, made, he made these little filled balls.
3: Evelyn <laughs> yeah. called them space balls. Space balls,
2: yeah. Um and I was originally a little bit worried with that th- there might be some free-floating liquid or that the shards of the meringue might be considered crumbs, but uh no, they ended up loving it. And we we saw more. Of Tom really, Tom likes playfulness. We're playful. Like on some yeah. of these unconventional challenges, I think Tom wants you to steer into the playful side.
3: He definitely does. I will say, steering into the playful side myself, uh, the guy who is a former astronaut who used to steal everyone's food, <laughs> if you go to about 37 minutes when Buddha and Evelyn are serving their food and presenting their dishes, he has just this like giant smile plastered on his face because he's so excited that this is what he gets to do right now and it's the funniest thing in the world and then right after that you see that tom has put on his glasses to inspect (laughs) this food (laughs) he wants to see just how playful it can be um and i i thought i was just like these two images back to back are exactly what i need in my life right now
2: we saw it in the Jurassic Park challenge. We saw it here. Give mm-hmm. give Tom some uh, well executed fun. Yeah, uh, at the right well time. Executed
3: being the the key words. Yeah,
2: the uh, and the golf balls were hit. I was and when when they were served up, part of me was like wondering. I don't know if they missed an opportunity here. Mm-hmm. Like this could have been like a progressive meal challenge as well. Like serve. A progressive space meal, uh, progressive space meal. Because, like, because then you could have ended with the dessert. You might have had a couple desserts, or I don't know. It just it it seemed weird that the dessert was served first, and that just bugged me. <laughs> like,
3: yeah, but um, it, it was served in Latanya Stark's way of eating food. <laughs> um, I like to eat my. I think I've talked about this before. I eat my dessert first because uh, sweet things make me hungry. So interesting. Yeah.
2: I remember uh, you talking about eating dessert first, but I didn't, I didn't, I don't remember the, uh, sweet the things the hungry element of it. Yeah.
3: Sweet things have always, my whole life made me hungry for savory things. Oh. Um, so at, sometimes if I can find someone who's game with me, we will order dessert first in restaurants. Um, but yeah, this is why I always want to have leftovers because I'm going to have to eat dessert at the end of the meal, like some kind of conformist and then I'm going to get hungry again.
2: Thinking, thinking back to the the meal I had last night, I guess technically that's how I approach it, but we'll save that for the end of the show. Okay. Okay. Uh, next up, so Evelyn and Buddha were in the top. Actually, Buddha ended up winning. Um, I guess, you know, I don't know if it's just that the food was that good or how much of the fact that he was the only dessert and he knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Um, but he ended up um, doing really, really well. Uh, next up, we had Ashley and Nick. Ashley. She served marinated tuna and shrimp with a sweet potato slaw. Um, and she's this was I mentioned this earlier. She pre- she presented it in like these tins. She kind of wanted to do like yeah. a tinned fish uh, approach. She wanted to mimic the experience of being on uh, the space shuttle or the International Space Station. Like they even had to use the shears to cut open a bag of yeah. sauce and, and deploy it into the can. <laughs> So yeah. yeah.
3: I um, really loved I thought that her packaging on this was in like it was a stroke of genius. It was really yeah. cool looking. And <clears throat> took that one woman from NASA pack. She was just like, I can't remember the last time I ate with scissors. A <laughs> little terrifying.
2: <laughs> the uh but it seemed it seemed like the downfall here was she spent more time on the I guess what you would consider the plating. And on the actual yeah. execution of the food. Um, I'm trying to remember if this was the I think this was the the, the dish where they could have like the, the, the tuna could have been cut up smaller. Like, there were yeah. a couple times this episode where it was like, yeah, this could have been smaller pieces.
3: I think that they, that it wasn't cooked all the way through. Yeah, was an issue. Uh, so it was like a kind of big hunk of tuna that wasn't properly cooked.
2: And Given how much I've had like tuna, like sashimi, or tuna is like part of a sushi roll, I'm like, is that really a big issue? But then I guess if you're looking at a singular piece of tuna, right. and it's like half cooked, half raw. That's a little less
3: appetizing. And it's has got to appetizing. Yeah. yeah. Sushi- <laughs> like at least with sashimi, we know how we got there. <laughs> you know, that <laughs> was supposed to happen.
2: Yeah. This is <laughs> not supposed to be cooked versus this was undercooked.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um... Yes, I felt I felt bad there, um, but I think I think if I had been a chef in this competition, I would have been. I think I probably would have gone the same way Ashley did in terms of how can I make the plating experience seem yeah. different and unique. Like I would I would have tried to put the entire thing into a foil packet, um, but uh, yeah, it wasn't necessary.
3: <laughs> yeah, um, it you've got to make sure that the food that you have it can live up to the packaging, you know, to kind of what you're trying to create with the overall look of things.
2: And did Buddha's dish have dry ice? Yeah,
3: I thought there was like a fog effect. There was the a morning. fog of, yeah. And okay. there was a bowl, I think, that was sitting on top of a sa- like a saucer that had dry ice.
2: Okay. Thank you, Troy, I wasn't going crazy.
3: No. Um, not yet.
2: Not yet. You <laughs> know, <laughs> we, 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 always a possibility. Would you consider... Sweet potato slaw to be a sweet precursor to a meal to help you get hungry for the rest of the meal. Um
3: no no, because if it's a slaw, it probably has more acidity to acidity. it than yeah than um anything else. And sweet potatoes are not inherently that sweet. It's brown it
2: sugar is, or something yeah, in there. Exactly.
3: Type. Yeah. Okay.
2: Uh, Nick made a Mississippi gumbo with collard greens,
3: <laughs>
2: uh, butter beans, okay. chicken, okra, and rice.
3: It's okay because, it's okay. yes, and here's why. I First of all, um, I love that Nick made this Mississippi gumbo. It's something that I've eaten my whole life and just had no knowledge of what the name of it would be. Um it's just like here's a stew. Um oh,
2: in terms of not knowing it would be called gumbo or specifically mississippi. Yeah, okay.
3: Not knowing yeah, not knowing that it would, it would be it could be considered a gumbo. Um and I I always you know love how Nick is just kind of like showing up for mississippi. Uh he's always showing how uh showcasing how mississippi style cuisine has kind of always already been elevated to a certain point um like we've had to make do with like very little essentially and like turn a uh, ear into a silk purse as my grandmother would say um so i think my granny would love this and therefore i love it and i also think she would think nick was super cute
2: <laughs> so the this looked this looks really good I love whether like gumbo, jambalaya, mm-hmm. uh, etouffe's, like I love kind of like some Mississippi virgin on, virgin on Cajun, uh, cooking. Uh, yeah. and we didn't have any complaints or comments really about the okra. So I don't know. I was going to
3: say like, you know, this is the first time that Tom ate okra and just was fine with it, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you
2: know, and, not, and like fine to the point where it's like, it's, it's, he didn't even call out like, Normally, as you know, I don't like Oprah, but this was amazing. Right. So it was like a non-issue.
3: Yeah, exactly. That's that's where you gotta go. the o- The other thing is, I always forget that Nick works at the Civil Rights Museum, which is just a super cool job and a very interesting job to have as a chef. You know, mm-hmm. um, like there just there just has to be something a little bit extra and, and like cool about knowing that you are there you know there's probably a lot of dinners that come out of the civil rights museum um and and just like bringing people together in that way but also in a way that is conscious i i don't know i just really think that's a cool job to have as a chef
2: tons of inspiration to bring into the competition as well Mm -hmm. uh our last two were also in the bottom two Jay and Damar. Jay served a Bogogi with Gochujang barley, sesame mushrooms, and carrots. And it seemed like the the barley was a new twist on the kind of traditional bulgogi dish she was looking mm-hmm. to get away from the kind of potentially mushy rice um, right
3: yeah, and the mushy rice is exactly what Demar suffered with. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing that's interesting about Jay's dish for me is that you could tell when she was when they showed her slicing the meat just how thin it was, you know? It was paper thin in terms of how it was sliced. And then by the time it got out there, it was great. So Um, You know, it didn't look like it was very appetizing to begin with, just in terms of how thin the pieces of beef were. But then the color uh, mixed in with barley that is, you know, according to the judges, not cooked enough.
2: Yeah, it seemed like it was undercooked.
3: Yeah, Uh, it just seemed like none of the components on this dish worked for Jay the way that she wanted them to.
2: Yeah, I think Melissa said like the beef just like disintegrated the moment yeah. like she tried to dig into it.
3: And yeah, and Gail was like, I left a lot of it on my plate. The I,
2: I really I mean, I, I've come to discover, I think, for myself, that over like over the past five years or so that I really like Korean food I think is probably my favorite international cuisine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of what Jay has been cooking has been of interest to in me like even going back to the the quick fire challenge she kind of joked about like she doesn't know like if she like the Korean instead of tex mex she was doing korea mex and <laughs> in, and there was a there was a restaurant when i lived in chicago there was a restaurant that's now closed unfortunately it's been closed for probably 6 7 years um, it was called la korea and mm-hmm. it was like a taco korea oh, fusion place yeah that's cool and they that's had, a great and, name i and i I, and I mentioned i think last week uh, there's a place near nearby me here in Michigan that serves these like spicy pork burritos. My my favorite thing to get there was the bulgogi burrito, yeah, uh, with ramen. I bet, and it was it was amazing. And so all of these flavors that she's playing with are really intriguing. I love bulgogi and gochujang. Um, and so it's a shame that it just just didn't execute well. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I was a little worried when she started making the bulgogi because the last couple of times I've had straight up bulgogi, it has been a very liquidy, saucy Mm -hmm. dish, not a thicker gravy. And so I was wondering how that was going to play out. um, Unfortunately, not only was Jay on the bottom, she ended up being the one who was eliminated and going off the last chance kitchen. So the bulgogi did not serve her well, unfortunately. It did not. (laughs) And then to your point, uh, we had DeMar made chicken gravy with rice and hot pickled peppers. Um, the peppers looked great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, the rice potentially not so much.
3: No, and it, and he overcooked rice twice. Yeah. Um, it's really hard. This is around the time of the season where I try to read the edit, and I don't know why I do that because I have no idea the edit. You know in no way tells me what I should know um, but I w- this was a major scare week for me with Damar uh, because he was off in both challenges Yeah, and you know it just doesn't bode well going forward unless we think of this as like he had an off week and maybe he was tired you know because fatigue becomes a factor at this point in the competition it really does um, you know, these chefs are a lot like athletes in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're playing a really high intensity game and this is about the point where chefs start to just kind of get really tired. Yeah. So, uh yeah, a lot of like major concern for Demar, but I do think that <clears throat> him pointing out that he doesn't make the same mistake twice. Um you know, in order to have the opportunity to be back, to remain in the competition, um, got over to the judges. And I I also loved, what, I love when Coach Tom emerges. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like, keep your heads up. And then he gives a little speech at the end about how people kind of just need to hang in there. He's trying to give them words of encouragement. Um, we We got to see a lot of different sides of Tom in this episode.
2: Fun fun, inspector Tom.
3: <laughs> yep. <laughs> Literally inspecting fun. <laughs> the,
2: yeah. And I was actually, from speaking of like reading the edit, I was thinking we got a lot of Ashley this episode in uh-huh. terms of she was talking about like, you know, how she was missing her partner. And we got a lot about like, like some of like why it was important for her to be here and for her to not win but also not go home. It seemed like it to me it was like a little bit of a weird
3: yeah. choice
2: to reveal some of these things. But um but I thought it was going to potentially be this was Ashley's time to go. But no we saw that it ended up being Jay uh who won last week. Yeah I was this... just
3: gonna say she went from winning to getting eliminated.
2: Yeah and I and I don't know how much of it is like I don't know how much your performance in the quick fire spills over into how you perform in the elimination challenge. Like, are you mm-hmm. still thrown off that you didn't get your entire thing plated? Did, did that impact both Jay and Ashley for the elimination? So, Possibly. Yeah. No. Um, it
3: all, it all imp- impacts your confidence. Yeah. And so that, Had to be kind of a blow to their confidence. And the fact that you get that blow and you have to immediately keep going. Yep. Um, everything about this competition is kind of like scattershot. (laughs) You know, you have Padma there talking about your challenge. And then all of a sudden she's like, I hope you're ready. It's time. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like uh, no warning at all. Like it, it just all comes with no warning. Wild.
2: Yeah, it was like, okay, we're at the farmer's market, get ready to go to NASA. I mean, there's yeah. just, there's no, there's, there's no not a up. lot of easy transition time in the in your exactly.
3: brain. Ashley referring to herself as the MVP of the bottom is just, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so sad, but it's really funny at the same time.
2: Oh. Ultimately, yeah, Jay ends up being the one to go off the Last Chance Kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we talk about l c k anything else you have on the main episode you wanted to mention?
3: this is very random, and I understand that this is random, but watching Buddha um in the at the judge's table this week, I've decided that he should wear eyeliner <laughs> and here's why
2: <laughs> yeah, so I was like I was like is she going is that the end of the thought and we're no. moving on or is like i'm hoping there's a there's a a why or an explanation attached. So continue, please, the time. I
3: just think, I think he has great eyes and I think that a smoky eye with a strong liquid line would really just bring that out even more. I don't think you should ask me why or how this is something my brain came up with. Um, I think you should just go with me on it and decide whom else you think should have Top Chef makeovers. By, by I was just
2: about. impressed that last week I noticed Kwame's gold chain Glove
3: that yes. he had on. Um,
2: how did you? How know. did you not? I don't. I don't. And so I. I know in previous seasons in previous seasons of podcast coverage, uh, like you know you or Haley or the great Emily Fox would call out mm-hmm. some element of hair or clothing. I'm just now starting to like pick up on those things, so I don't think I'm ready to comment on the need for a smoky eye y- just yet. I'm still catching <laughs> okay. up on clothing.
3: <laughs> it's all right. Uh, we'll let the listeners think of that what they will but it's it's just true it's just a truism yeah Uh, and if anyone wants to mock that up and send it to me I am at LK Starks on Twitter
2: (laughs) please somebody do that
3: please
2: so I can at least least understand what a smoky eye with liquid
3: with a strong liquid line
2: smoky eye with a strong liquid line
3: (laughs) uh
1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Well, with that, let us move on to yeah. Last Chance Kitchen. Um, makeover edition. Uh, <laughs> we have Jay going up against Sarah, who I think now had uh, at the start
3: of this competition won
2: five in a row, if not more. Yeah, Sarah has um,
3: just been destroying people Yeah, at Last, last Chance Kitchen.
2: And and this was going to well. I think it's both you and I found out this was a two-part Last Chance Kitchen. Yeah, because when you go Turns to out. when you go to I think I think what happened was, and this, tell me if this is what happened for you. You go to the Bravo Last Chance Kitchen, the Last Chance Kitchen part of Top Chef Bravo. Play latest episode, and you click Play Latest Episode, and it brings up part two of this week's. Uh, it that's does. What I into it. That's, that's well, why. at I, the
3: same time. Uh, in its description, calling the other episode part two,
2: oh. huh,
3: yeah, it's I think just, both of us
2: figured out pretty early we were in the second part of something, and we yes. had to go back and find the first part
3: <laughs> almost immediately, uh, Yes. I figured that out, but i but it to their credit, at least they had a little bit of a recap thing, kind of um. Or, you know, they had paused it at just the right time yeah. so that it wouldn't, you know, immediately reveal what happened in the Cause last challenge.
2: Because they usually do the part where the 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 incoming chef Tessin comes in. There's a little bit of a talk, like they, a little, like a 20-second confessional as they're packing up their knives in the, you know, back room or something. And then they come out and they see that, oh, it's still Sarah. They're surprised. All of that was kind of skipped. And it's like, oh, wait, something's yeah. wrong. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but when you go back to part one, uh, you saw that Sarah and Jay had to compete in the three C's challenge where they could cook anything they wanted to, but it had to contain a creamy, a chewy, and a crunchy element. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it goes back to Evelyn's comment about textures in space. So maybe that was like the... Sure. and the, Or the fact that, you know, Jay's dish uh, just kind of was dissolved into one big creamy mess. Um but the twist here was that they were going to cook their dishes. And then while they were out of the room, the five chefs still in the competition had to taste them, not knowing who made which dish. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I'm guessing they probably could have uh guessed, given yeah. the New Orleans influences of Jay's dish.
3: Um Yeah, DeMar knew.
2: Yeah. Um and then they had to vote for which dish they preferred. And it's not that the dish that I think initially I thought, and I don't know if you felt the same, that whichever dish gets the most votes, that person comes back in the competition, but that's not what they were doing. Um, they were basically setting it up for part two. So part one, they had to make a creamy, chewy, crunchy dish. And then for the second part of the competition, they each got 30 minutes, but for every vote that they got from part one, they got an additional three minutes on their clock. Um, so it was, for the second part of the competition, they had 30 minutes to cook any dish they wanted to. It's just that the time they had available to do it was dependent on how they performed in part one. Um, in part one, Sarah made a crispy delicata squash with chevre and spicy raisin relish. So you had a crispy with the delicata squash, the chewy, uh, with the, um, with the raisin relish and the creamy with the, uh, Uh, Jay made a shrimp boil with andouille potato emulsion, okra, kimchi, and celery pickles. Um, Sarah got all the votes. All of them. All of them. That was uncomfortable to watch.
3: It was very uncomfortable. They should never do the challenge like this again.
2: Um, I don't know if I think they shouldn't do it again, but... Yeah, it was uncomfortable.
3: <laughs> it's uncomfortable, and then you you have someone with and the way that you're using this these votes is to reward them with additional cooking time, and so you have someone who gets all the votes, and then they get 15 more minutes to cook than the yeah. other person. Who do you think is going to win the ultimate well, challenge?
2: Well, the way I thought about it was Jay had 50, they both had 45 minutes. It's just that Jay had fifteen of those forty-five to conceptualize.
3: Yeah, I was kind of surprised by that too. Um, yeah. Obviously, that they they, would they allow them.
2: They couldn't do it the other way because then you have Jay's dish sitting there for fifteen minutes while yeah. Sarah's still cooking. But right. Um,
3: yeah, I was, I, so I I was surprised the, that she was allowed to sit there and conceptualize for fifteen minutes. I mean, other than like knocking her out with a tranquilizer,
2: like. <laughs> Yeah, there's not, I don't think you can...
3: That's what I advocate for all reality shows. If not at least one person is knocked out with a tranquilizer, then I don't know why I'm watching. Do you?
2: Maybe that's next season. Yeah. Um, the... Yeah, so Sarah had 15 extra minutes to cook. I've been a big Sarah stan this entire time. I love her confessionals and last chance They're kitchen. so funny. Yeah, it's... And I was afraid this was going to be another boomerang where you know jay leaves and goes back in again like in that Mm -hmm. the 15 minutes like was it going to be that sarah didn't use it to critically think and that jay was going to be able to use the downtime to put together a plan of attack and just hit the ground running um but no we end up with sarah as the winner and what in what may be I think we've alluded to this previously in uh, other episodes As I take notes on the dishes each time. This may be the briefest description of a, or title for a dish uh, this <laughs> season, if not ever. Sarah made a gnocchi pomodoro.
3: Um,
2: two words. Um, and ended up with 45 minutes knocking it out of the park. Whereas mm-hmm. Jay with her 30 minutes made a sauteed snapper with spaghetti squash noodle salad and clam broth. It seemed to be some back and forth on whether or not she was, undercooking or overcooking the spaghetti squash because i think we yeah. saw was it joe i think was talking about how she had undercooked the spaghetti squash or just to be careful with it but jay's like now i got this um, yeah
3: someone did make a comment about it and and jay was just like leave me alone
2: and <laughs> let him, me and, live <laughs> and bearing the lead, we have shoda to help out with the second part yeah and this.
3: shoda is here shoda should always be here shoda should never leave
2: yeah. Like I don't I mean I don't
3: why is he just on this random last chance kitchen? Bring him and let him be a judge on an actual challenge. I
2: think that they said at the so at the end of this episode, they said, Pack your bags, you're going to Galveston, Texas. Yeah. Um, and I believe Shota. I believe they, they acknowledged or mentioned that Shoda was going to be part of the next episode. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah.
3: That's good because yeah. a lot of people don't watch Last Chance Kitchen, um, and so I would hate for them to miss out on the show. Of it all,
2: so I'm looking. I'm looking forward to people who have not, who have only had a brief exposure to Sarah's wit mm-hmm. from her time on the main show. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to seeing to that getting more exposure I'm loving mm-hmm. Sarah. Um, looking forward to seeing some Shoda. It was funny, that, like, as they kept cutting back and forth to the, um, in the peanut gallery, watching the people, watching Jay and Sarah cook, you not only had the, uh, previously evicted chefs, uh, you know, three or four chefs talking, you had the five contestants talking, you had, or sitting there, you had Shoda sitting there. And there were just times where, you know, they're all like 80% of the people sitting are cheering on, Jay and Sarah or giving them advice or asking them questions and then you have like Buddha and Jackson just talking to each other or you had like mm-hmm. Luke and Shoda like just randomly just you know off to the side chatting it's like I just love that they're all making new friends
3: I know it's it's nice to see um I, I think that the episode like next week's episode will only be enhanced by having Sarah back um I I think it's really exciting that all the chefs did have an ch- opportunity at least to be there to see who their competition was um, that was coming back into the main competition. Um, and yeah, I want to try both of these dishes that yeah. ultimately they make at the at the end. I mean, a gnocchi pomodoro is kind of just placating to my personal taste. <laughs> <laughs> so. Nothing wrong with that. No. And I don't know if I've ever had spaghetti squash before.
2: I've only had it in like at the store, you can sometimes find like those vegetable-based noodles, like zucchini noodles or spaghetti yes. squash noodles yeah. like, that are pre-packaged. That's I've had that I think once. I may have had a meal kit that came with a spaghetti squash that I completely messed up. Um mm-hmm. made more of like a elbow macaroni squash out of it. Mm-hmm. Um but the uh yeah, they, but I'm a, I'm a big sucker for gnocchi, so that was that yeah. was going to be right. That would have been right up my alley. Yeah,
3: I, I would have probably chosen the gnocchi pomodoro. I'd, I want to try both of these, but yeah. who are we kidding? I love Italian food.
2: So we've got Sarah coming in the competition. We're still Yay. in the top six. Um, uh, yeah, so it should be a, you know, I think we were talking last week about how we didn't think the last chance kitchen was going to be for another week or two. Uh, Because usually they preview it with some sort of, well, you've only got one more battle. Yeah. Yeah. Tom said nothing. So this kind of took me a little bit by surprise, but it was a pleasant surprise. So,
3: yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm excited.
2: So taking a step out of the Top Chef world and into our own lives, anything you've seen that I, I know that you've not been at your normal uh aptitude for food lately. No. Is any, anything anything you want to talk about from a what Latanya has been eating or thinking about
3: eating? Yeah, already? so <laughs> I should probably explain why that's the case. So I had surgery on my esophagus. I had to have a diverticulum removed, and then I also had to have the bottom of the esophagus opened mm-hmm. more. Um and I did not know that this was going to require six to eight weeks of healing. Uh it seems like BS until you try to eat something as soft as like ramen on the first day you're back at home from the hospital. And no, so this is like an extended hospital stay, by right. the way. And I just, I couldn't even eat the food. Like I just it could not even get it down. So I've had a lot of soup. Um, I've had a lot of broths. I've had a lot of jello, um, since I was last here. Uh, but yesterday I was able to graduate to soft noodles. Yay. I know it's very exciting. So I got some spaghetti pomodoro actually. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I loved it. It <laughs> completed me. Um, <laughs> it was exactly what I needed at that time. And I have leftovers, so I'm excited. Um, but yeah, I've been eating a lot of just, you know, not great just like liquids okay. um what's your go-to jello flavor or even
2: though or is that yeah. like yeah that's the common thing that's on the list i'm not gonna touch it
3: no i i love jello um being in the hospital is when i normally eat the most jello though because they just have like endless <laughs> <They> <laughs> have it, on tap. Of it, yeah <laughs> um and so i um i like the strawberry one Yeah. Okay. like anything red in the jello slash Kool-Aid arena I'm good with. Man, I haven't had Kool-Aid in so long. I was
2: actually in the like in that aisle where they have like the um like I have a soda stream. So it's where they have the oh, okay. coffees, the teas, the additives for water. The, yeah. You know, as well as uh I am, I almost bought some some Kool-Aid last weekend. I was like, oh yeah, this would just be a nice just sugar so water good. this good.
3: It's so good. Yeah, my grandmother used to uh, mix it with lemonade, so she'd make a batch of lemonade and then just kind of like flavor it with the Kool Aid.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so good. I really miss that. So yeah, I've had a lot of beverages. Um, I I'm trying. I'm struggling with whether or not I should like tell people this or if they'll think it's disgusting.
2: Um. Oh. I think that I think you've just confirmed that you need to tell us that.
3: Yeah. OK. OK. So when they did the surgery uh, after the surgery, I had to go to the ICU um, for four days because my lungs did not approve of the anesthesia. So when my surgeon came to visit me, which he did like every day, I was kind of su- surprised. I've never like this is the best surgical care I've ever had, I think, after care that I've ever had. Um, and so the first day he comes to visit me, he's just like, "You had a Beezer ball," and I was like, what "The hell is that?"
2: Oh, is that? I I I think I know what that is. I think yeah. What like, do you it's think? Like it is. B, it's like B E Z O A R, right? Yeah. Um. Continue.
3: <laughs> yeah. So I was just I was just like a what? And he said, "You had a little ball in your esophagus." That was just like fruit and vegetable fibers and I was just like why <laughs> like, no um that's something that goats have and that used, you know goats used to be it used to have their bees or balls used in the middle ages for like healing purposes so I was just like what is going on but they were like no this explains why you were vomiting so much and I was like okay I guess how do I not get it again I'm terrified now and
2: it's um, Kool-Aid and Jell-O. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so now it's just Kool-Aid and Jell-O. I've really, I've tamped down on the mango smoothies uh, because mm. I'm afraid that the mango smoothies are the reason that I had a a Ball. Um, but yeah, it's just a really weird medical fact that I wish I didn't know about myself. But the surgeons, being nerds, were very excited to <laughs> behold.
2: Were they, oh. are they going to use it for healing purposes as well
3: no uh, well they didn't tell me what they were going to use it for now i'm concerned right. that
2: <laughs> this has turned into horror movie territory
3: exactly yeah it, it was already horror
2: movie territory it's a harvest harvesting cult you that have that absolutely
3: hospital. no idea how uh close i am to writing a horror movie set in a hospital because I I've just been it's it's like fertile ground for me. I've been there so often, and you like get kind of like into the inner workings. And I've always decided that um, the department, the department that takes your blood, is run by a group of vampires. That one makes sense. Yeah, um, it just makes sense to me. So we'll see. We'll see if I write that short film. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, I don't have uh nearly as Do you have a beezer ball? I, don't, don't I did have... not no no bezer balls on, on this end uh, No in space okay. balls either. Um uh went out to a pretty uninspiring week this week, uh as it pertains to oh, <laughs> I okay, I guess this is kind of fun. I so I ordered I had a meal kit that was arriving on Tuesday mm-hmm. and I was very excited because uh there were a couple uh Korean dishes that I had picked, um, I want to say it was like a bulgogi and a, uh, Korean rice cake, a pork Korean rice cake dish. Um, but, and also then there was like a, uh, a, I think I talked about this in the last episode, uh, a everything bagel galette made with like, uh, salmon and cream cheese. And so I was excited to get this and I was going to make the, the galette for my mom for, for brunch, uh, for Mother's Day weekend. It turns out when I selected all these dishes, I forgot to hit save, and so instead, oh. the dishes I was delivered were at the mercy and whim of the meal subscription gods. Oh no! Uh, I did get the beef bulgogi, so I think that was still there. I had a um, a, a smash burger, which is fine. I like oh, a yeah. burger. I just wouldn't have wouldn't have ordered it. Um, and then I, I had, had a ve- a vegan bolognese. How did that go? Um. Well so it was with impossible meat you know it was like okay. the, the the plant-based uh ground beef i should say yeah um i don't think it was specifically the impossible brand i've enjoyed the impossible whopper the, the several times that i've had it and the fact that oh. i said that i've had it several times means like i had it it's like that was actually good and i'm gonna go out of my way to get that
3: yeah um, it it did i thought it was good too it did all kinds of terrible things to my <laughs> stomach um, it's like
2: along with the fajitas, yeah. Um, the,
3: the fajitas and the um, the Impossible burger is the fajitas of um, fast food. It, so it was
2: okay. It was like I'm trying to think. It was onion, carrots, mushrooms, um, and then you had like the the plant based meat, um, obviously uh, pasta. Um, but yeah, it was. Okay, but it was like I was not excited to see. Oh, we didn't save you. Sorry, it's all on me. I did not correctly save the menu I wanted, and so I ended up with a vegan mayonnaise. Um But then I uh, took my mom out to Mother's an early Mother's Day dinner last night. Mm-hmm. We had twice baked sweet potatoes covered Ooh. in hot honey. Wow, um, Haley, so that was definitely on the sweet side. Haley would um, I love that. And that's what made me th- we were talking earlier about dessert for dessert first. And I was wondering how you would react to the twice baked sweet potatoes with hot honey. Um, and then for my main meal, I had this uh, linguine that basically was like a jumbo shrimp linguine, like blistered tomatoes, and uh, that was quite tasty. Yeah. My mom had the uh, uh, this like lemon cavatappi dish. She did not mm-hmm. realize cavatappi was basically elbow macaroni, um, <laughs> and she did not enjoy the dish. Um, oh no! Largely through the shape of the pasta, uh, but she she loved the sweet potatoes. And Normally, right. she'll just like sample the appetizer a little bit, and then she'll look to me to finish it off. So she finished off all the sweet potatoes, um, and they end up actually like you know knocking the uh, cavatappi off of our bill because uh, my mom had not enjoyed it. It was not something we were expecting. It was like a, a nice bonus. But.
3: That's nice. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I um, the blister tomatoes. You had me at blister tomatoes. Oh. You know, I love, I love tomatoes a lot. Um, I miss tomatoes. My stomach can't yet digest them properly. (laughs) So even though they are soft and I could technically eat them, it wouldn't matter in like 15 minutes.
2: Do you know through the upcoming weeks then as you're still kind of recovering and like, At what points, like, what's going to, like, do you, like, know, like, right now you just started into soft pasta. Mm -hmm. Do you know what your next frontier is going to be in terms of, like, what you're going to be able to handle?
3: They gave me um, a week-to-week chart of the types of stuff that I could expect to be able to eat. Okay. Um, They had someone, like, one of the nutritionists come by and bring it uh, when I was in the hospital. It's, like, you know, in retrospect, these problems are just issues because I didn't ask enough questions. Um, so always advocate for yourself and ask questions in your healthcare people. Um, I just did not, I, I, I thought that the surgery might be longer than it was supposed to be. And it was because of scar tissue that I have in my belly. Cause they went in through my belly actually, mm-hmm. not like down my throat, which is what I thought they'd do. Um, but I didn't know that it would be made longer because of this random ball. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, there the, was the stuff they were re- like really, really good about taking me through. Huh. Um, and, and then I like, you know, kind of learn from that process to ask more questions. Because if you don't, then you just end up not expecting to have a GI tube for four to five days of your yeah. life. Um. Yeah. So they, it, I, I, Northwestern's great. I, I love all my doctors. I'm just really blessed to have good health insurance. Yeah. Wish it was universal. Yeah.
2: Well, we are glad to have you back on mic with us.
3: Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad to be back. This is my first day back podcasting. Yes. Um. I try, I tried, to podcast, I have, um, I'll like talk more about this later, but I have a podcast with Bryce coming up and that I scheduled that last Saturday with the intention of coming back on Sunday to do this podcast and do Atlanta. And it did not work. <laughs> Just <Right>. like <laughs> the second I got done with that podcast, I was so exhausted and in so much pain. I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to be able to do anything on Sunday. But um, yeah, this is my first official week back doing Top Chef and Atlanta. Um, so I'm happy to jump today.
2: right into what people can uh, where people can find you, what you have going on if you want to like transition to some, some plugs and endorsements.
3: Yeah, um, so you can find me always at LK Starks on Twitter at Stormborn1222 on Instagram. I um, like I said, we'll be back this week for this week's episode Of Atlanta over on post show recaps and I'll be a guest on the purple pants podcast. Um, coming up very soon. I'm not exactly sure when that's being released. Hopefully this week, I think. Um, but yeah, Bryce and I got to talking about, um, heartbreaker, heartstopper, which is the name of the actual name of the show. Uh, heartstopper on Netflix. Um, which I know Grace and Matt Scott are covering it more in depth. If you've been paying attention to that, you can, should continue to, or if you didn't know about that, you should definitely listen, um, to get their perspectives. But Bryce and I both really enjoyed the show and wanted to chat about it together. So we did. So I'll be in a few things this week, uh, really just trying to hit the ground running hit the ground walking
2: maybe let's let's <laughs> yeah. let's, let's look out for Latanya. <laughs> let's try not to hit the ground <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah
3: what do you have going on kurt oh absolutely
2: nothing. where can people um, find you uh, people can find me at kurt clark with two c's on most if not all of your major and minor social media platforms uh if i'm on it that's probably where you can find me um I will not be on the Atlanta podcast, but I am flying to Atlanta today. <laughs> oh,
3: okay. Yes. So
2: maybe in this Atlanta, all is this...
3: stupid rush hour traffic the whole day. That's yes, what i call really. it. looking
2: forward to that. Um, and so I most likely will not be able to, because I get back next Sunday evening, I most likely will not be able to make this podcast or watch this episode um, uh, while I'm away. But um, that's a story for another weekend for episode yeah. 11. So um, thank you so much. So glad to have
3: you back, LaTanya. Yeah, it's so great to be back. Ooh. Thank you for having me. We got to party with while well, uh, Haley was away. Yes. And next week we will party with you away. Exactly. Uh, then we'll you're, compare you're, the parties. Yeah. You're and you're whoever had a, a better party um, will not be murdered.
2: Oh, good. Good. <laughs> I have fear for my life. Um, well, uh, on behalf of LaTanya, on behalf of an absent Haley Strong, I want to say thank you to all for listening. You may pack your knives and go. Take care.
0: Hi. Bye. Bye. Bye.